Good morning, everyone. Let's have a word of prayer before we uh, get into the word and ask for the Lord to open our hearts to him. Father, thank you so much for this day. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Father, for loving us, for demonstrating that love by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to bear on his back our sins and the sins of the world, and to take them out of the camp and forgive us and uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we have become a special people by your decree, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of your own possession. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for each other. Thank you for saving us, Lord. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful reality that you love us. We just praise you and bless you. So open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to your word this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Bob McWilliams looks like he's not far from being able to wrestle a bear. Isn't that a blessing to see Bob doing so well? Um, I want to begin this morning by reading a couple of passages from Psalm 1 and Psalm 119. So let me do that now. In Psalm 1 we read, How supremely happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. And then from Psalm 119, verses 14 through 16, David says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on thy precepts and regard thy ways I shall delight in thy statutes, I shall not neglect thy word. You know, there are many ways to grow closer to the Lord, isn't there? There's vibrant worship, there's prayer, there's repentance, there's sharing our faith with others, there's good works in Jesus' name, partaking of the Lord's Supper. But today, uh, I want to ask you to focus with me on one way to get closer to the, to the Lord, to walk more closely with Him, and, and that is the Word of God. And specifically, I want to ask you to examine your current relationship to the Word. I want to examine my current relationship to the Word. I want us to ask ourselves, have we slipped back in our devotion 
to the Word of God. Perhaps we've grown lazy or distracted or proud. Maybe we've said to ourselves, I don't need to be in the Scriptures every day. And yet, I want to ask us to examine our relationship to the Word, and if we need to hit a reset button, to not just hit uh, not just a finger press on our computer pad on the reset button, but kind of a game show, bang, bang, bang. I want to hit that reset button uh, very, very hard and very, very aggressively. Let me start by um, reading a quote uh, by Derek Prince. This is a quote I've read a couple times before in messages, but... Um, just pay attention to this, this line of thinking here. Your attitude toward God's word is your attitude toward God himself. You do not love God more than you love his word. You do not obey God more than you obey his word. You do not honor God more than you honor his word. You do not have more room in your heart and life for God than you have for his word. Do you want to know how much God means to you? You can easily find out. Just ask yourself, how much does God's word mean to me? The answer to the second question is the answer also to the first. God means as much to you as his word means to you, just that much and no more. There's something disturbing about that quote. Uh, there's something in me that wants to say, no, I, I, I think that's too simplistic um, and uh, perhaps in some ways it is. But what Derek Prince is pointing out is that there is a very, very strong correlation between our devotion to the Word of God and our love for God himself. Did you hear me there? Did you hear me say that? There's a very, very strong correlation between our love for the word and our love, the depth of our love for God himself. Well, what is a correlation? A correlation is a measure of the strength of an association between two variables. And Derek Prince is saying there is a strong positive correlation. A positive correlation means that if one variable gets bigger, the other variable gets bigger as well. So if we spend more time loving the Word of God, we can expect that our love for God himself will deepen and get stronger as well. But you know that Jesus also pointed out this correlation, this strong positive correlation. Can any of you think of where in the word? John 14 and John 15. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. We're going to see that the Lord himself um, also made this very, very strong positive correlation between loving God and the Word of God, but Jesus adds a little emphasis that's critical, and that emphasis is not only to love the Word, but to obey it, to do it, to keep it. 
And we see verse after verse in these two chapters where he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my word. So we want to look at those verses. But uh, here's my sort of thesis or hypothesis this morning. How we treat or attend to the word of God in our lives is the key component in determining the depth of our relationship with God. So let me just say that one more time. This is the hypothesis or the thesis I'm working off of. How we treat the Word of God, how we attend to it, is the key component in determining the depth of our relationship with God. We will see in these uh, two chapters, John 14 and 15, that it is the key to intimacy with God. It's the key to fruitfulness for God. And it is the path to true love, joy, peace, freedom, and even the possibility of being a friend of God. So let's dig in. And the title this morning is actually called Being Mastered by the Word of God. And I will say more about that later. Let's look at John 14 and 15. And specifically, I want to look at um, 1421 and 1423 to get started. These say, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And then down in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our abode with him. What I want you to notice here is the first point, and that is that keeping God's word is the secret to God coming and disclosing himself to you, disclosing him, showing himself to us, making his home with us, resting with us. In these verses, Jesus himself is saying, If we know his word and we do it, we will have intimacy with him. Somebody has said that intimacy, um, if you you can use that word to get a little glimpse of what it means, into me see. How many have heard that before? Into me see. So intimacy, uh, just on a simple, in a simple way, you can think of the words into me see. So how do we develop intimacy with God? How do we see into him? Well, think of a, think of a close friendship or a marriage relationship. How do, you, how do you get to know someone very, very dip, deeply, deeply enough that you say, I have intimacy with that person? Well, first of all, you spend a lot of time with them, don't you? 
you, you, you do life together. Um, you know what drives that person, what, what their values are, what they really care about. But most of all, um, you become familiar with how they think, what their thoughts are. And um, the Lord expresses what intimacy with him is in Jeremiah 9.23. In this verse we read, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast of his might, let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boasts of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. I have a friend who is a triathlete, and um, he's very dedicated not only to physical fitness, obviously, but he's also dedicated, very dedicated to personal growth and uh, life principles to, to use in his life. And we were talking, and he just mentioned that he has four categories of books in his house. He thinks about books in four categories. The first category is books that he owns but never reads. Um, so he's an owner in that case, but these are books that are gathering dust on shelves or on tables. He never reads them. The second category is uh, books that he reads, um, but he doesn't apply in any way. So uh, these are books, again, that he's read but doesn't apply. So first category are books that he owns but never reads. The second category are books that he reads but doesn't apply. The third category are books that he reads and applies. These are books that he tries to, um, he recognizes some nuggets in them and so he tries to apply them. And then the fourth book, he, um, or fourth category he has are books that he masters. And um, the reason this whole conversation came up was because the last few times that we've met, he's been reading the same book, and I happen to know that he's read that book at least once or twice before. So I was asking, you know, how many times have you read this book? And he said, well, this is my third time through. And then he outed with this, these four categories. And I said, well, what do, what do you mean master a book? What does it take to master a book? And he said, well, I read the book several times, and I, I consider mastery when I've taken in the principles and I can teach them in a very competent way. So I thought that was pretty cool, you know, uh, you know books that he owns but doesn't read, books that he reads but doesn't apply, books that he applies, and then books that he masters so that he can teach them. But much as Bill said last week, I don't know if you remember this, but Bill said, I don't want to have the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have me. Do you remember him saying that? What a great line. I want to propose that there's a fifth category of book. And in this fifth category, there's really only one book. And that's our Bible, the Holy Scriptures, uh, God's revelation of himself, and the truth is about this book that we don't master it, but we allow it to master us. Amen? 
We, we want to go to the Word to be changed, to become more like Jesus, rather than to be able to pontificate so much about it. For the Word of God is living and active, the Scriptures say, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We come to this book to, to know God and to let it master us, um, to let it shape our worldview, let it shape our attitudes, let it teach us what values are important in the kingdom, and then inculcating those values into ourselves. So let me ask, if you have grown lazy in your devotion to God's word, or prideful, or distracted, or uh, uh, anything else, let us with great conviction and zeal determine this morning to start again and to devote ourselves daily to the word of God. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell in you richly, my Bible says. I looked up synonyms of, of richly, and here are some of the words. Lavishly, copiously, profusely, abundantly, riotously, running riot in you. Let the word of God run riot in you. Isn't that a great image? So the point, point number one is that the word of God is the key, it's the linchpin to bring about intimacy with God. And so let us renew our devotion to it and, and trust that as we take in the Word of God, more and more we will become obedient to it. I was, um, had a sense as I was looking at many scriptures about the Word of God that, that abiding in the Word is the difference between a surface Christianity and deep, deep discipleship. Um, David prayed a lot in Psalm 119 about loving the word and letting the word bring to him the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is something we don't see in our culture much, even our Christian culture much. Um, but, but it's an intangible that is brought to us by, by our depth in the Word of God. Same with the gift of repentance. You know, how deeply a believer can feel godly sorrow and repent of a sin, separate himself or herself from it. This is something that I think is brought about by deep uh, hanging out, deep communion with the Word of God. Uh, I, don't, I think it's hard to just try to drum that up in yourself, uh, even hard to achieve it through prayer, although I think that is another avenue. So first of all, the Word of God is the key, the linchpin that brings about intimacy with God. Remember verses uh, 21 and 23 in John 14 about how he will show himself to you. He will disclose himself if you take in the Word of God and obey it. The second point is that the Word of God 
in us is also the key ingredient in fruitfulness. Amen? Um, in John 15, 4 through 8, we read this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot not bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. I want to propose to you that the word of God is that one hidden ingredient, that one secret sauce, that one special spice that makes our witness attractive to the world. You know, we're told that we are the salt of the earth in Matthew 5. I propose that the real salt is God's word in us. Now, some of you might say it's not the word, it's the Holy Spirit that makes us attractive and winsome. But um, I want to point out to you that Jesus said in John 14, 26, and many verses like it, that the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of what Jesus said. He points us to Jesus, amen? He points, he reminds us of what Jesus said. Now, in a certain moment, the Holy Spirit is leading us to think about that scripture or that um, place. But the Holy Spirit's job really isn't to create new revelation for us. Um, we have what we need in the Word. The Holy Spirit's just kind of directing. His job is to direct us to the right place in our thinking and in our spirits. Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Also, the Apostle Paul said, in the case of believers, uh, of unbelievers, that faith comes not by hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, by, but by what? Hearing the word of God being preached. So faith comes by hearing, he says, and hearing by the word of Christ. Bread will not rise without that special thing called yeast. Guacamole attracts no one to the bowl if there's not enough salt in it, right? And we remain unfruitful if the word of God is not in us richly Indeed, on the tip of our tongues, we read, the word is near you, even in your mouth. And Jesus said, I did not choose, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So I hope I've uh, shown you that strong, positive correlation between the word of God and intimacy with God. And also now that strong positive correlation between the word of God and being fruitful for God. The word of God is the key ingredient in our fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. And the last point is that the word of God is our transport, if you will, to true love 
true joy, true freedom, and even possibly to being a friend of God. So let's read John 15, 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When we're keeping God's commandments and we're walking in his love and joy when there's no secret sin uh, condemning us or causing us to feel disqualified, that love and that joy spills out all over the place. Also, there's a boldness that comes in. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous, the righteous are bold as a lion. I grew up in fear and anxiety, and so for me, that is tremendously freeing and empowering. Do you remember John 8, 31 and 32? Here, Jesus talks about how believers, as believers, if we abide in his word, we experience what? Anybody know what that passage talks about? Freedom. Freedom. Let me read it to you. If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Have you ever thought deeply about freedom? What is freedom? I don't have all the answers, but oftentimes people think freedom means um, you can do whatever you want. That's kind of the world's definition of freedom, isn't it? You can do whatever you want. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. But that's not true freedom, is it? There's another word for that. It's called license. If you, if you have no code, if you have no set of values that guide you, and you simply do whatever you want to do in the moment, that's, that's not freedom, that's license. Freedom is where you act with authenticity and um, integrity out of a, some kind of code or ethical code or set of values. And that's what we do as believers when we are steeped in the word of God and we seek first the kingdom of God. We have a set of values. We have a code of ethics out of which we try to live and speak and behave and reflect the glory of the Lord. That's really true freedom. The values and the words of the kingdom not only bring freedom, but they can even bring friendship with God. I want you to notice um, verse 15 of chapter 15. Actually, 14. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, those 12 at least, you are my friends because I've revealed everything 
I have to you. I've, re I've revealed it to you. Um, I'm not sure we're supposed to conclude that we are all friends of God because in the Bible, um, Abraham is called a friend of God and there's this passage here, but there's really no verses that say all saints should consider themselves friends of God and yet the possibility, I think, is there. Um, Enoch, it's said of Enoch that God was pleased with him so God just took him. And I imagine, even though it's not said there that Enoch was a friend of God, I imagine because God just took him and he didn't see natural death like we do, that he probably was a friend of God. When I look out at you, I wonder how many of you have such devotion to God and such devotion to his word and are so obedient that God considers you not just his son, not just his daughter, not just his soldier, not just his disciple, but his friend. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, I think Mike Farrell was a friend of God. Mike was a man of the word. Um, he was humble, he was meek. Gordon said of, of Mike in my presence that he was a living rebuke because he was so faithfully living out his discipleship in Jesus Christ. I wonder, one way to understand Mike's death is that he was a friend of God and God just took him. How we die is only the means, the cause is because God says, I want them now. I want this saint now. I want my beloved now. You've had him long enough. I want, I want him now. Um, it's beautiful to think about a saint going home in that way, isn't it? Knowing the word of God and keeping it is our transport into true love, true joy, freedom, and even the possibility of friendship with God. So in conclusion, I want to ask you to meditate for a moment on your current relationship to the Word of God. Are we simply an owner? Are we a reader, but we don't apply? Are we a, an applier? of a pearl here and there, or have we mastered it? And better yet, have we or are we actively and currently letting it master us? Sir Francis Bacon has a very famous quote where he says, let no man or woman out of conceit or laziness think or believe that anyone can search too far or be too well informed in the book of God's words or the book of God's works, religion or science. Instead, let everyone endlessly improve their understanding of both. Paul said, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. So I want to give an opportunity for a prayer of repentance this morning. If you've been uh, 
caught up in the affairs of life and have kind of set the, set the word aside in terms of your daily commitment to it, I'd like to ask you to stand with me and pray a prayer of repentance. If you've been lazy or conceited, thinking, I don't need this every day, I'm mature now, I'd like you to be willing to stand with me and uh, prayer a prayer of repentance. So would you stand now? Don't, don't, be, don't let embarrassment or anything keep you from um, praying with me if there's a need to repent. To repent means to change your mind, to change your mind. So Father, we ask, those of us who are standing, we ask that you would, in these moments, change our minds about the importance of being in your word each and every day. Some of us will have to track down our Bibles and find them. Some of us will need to set new goals about being in the Word each day. Lord, we, uh, we ask your forgiveness, those of us who have neglected your Word. We ask that as we make new resolves and new determinations and as we repent it wouldn't be just a few days flash in the pan kind of repentance that we see ourselves uh, do so often but we pray that this would be a lifelong determination that I need to be in God's word allowing it to change me every day because I want to be intimate with God I want to be fruitful and I want to have the love of God, be walking in the love and joy and peace and friendship of God. We ask that we would not only be in your word, Lord, but that we would be doers of it and uh, help us to see where we need to improve. I just ask a prayer of blessing over this body, over the depth of our belief and faith and love in you. May we go from from uh, deep to deeper, may we, may we progress in our most holy faith. Lord, we love you, and we bless you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. I just have a couple more comments. If, if you need to um, kind of know where to start, you might try Psalm 119, where David just is overflowing in his love for the word of God. And that might spark a new hunger in you for the Word of God. Also Psalm 1 and John 14 and 15. So see how the Holy Spirit might lead you, what new goals he might have you set. God bless you.